It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. We've got Jesse Bradley with us. He is a lead pastor of Grace Community Church in the greater Seattle area. He's a speaker, he's an author, an evangelist, and a former professional soccer goalkeeper. He is got so much passion and understanding from his own journey that he encourages and empowers us to receive and give hope to one another. And he's going to tell us that story. We're going to poke into that a little bit. But he's joining us this morning to talk about his brand new book. It's called The Power of the Second Thought, How to Live with Indestructible Hope. Jesse, you are a friend of Perry and Shauna Mornings, and we've had you, of course, on the show. But, you know, there's Somebody listening right now, they don't know you. They haven't heard your story. You were at one point an atheist, and now you're a pastor and an author and a follower of Jesus and an advocate of the kingdom. And wow, how did that happen? Thank you, Perry and Sean. It's great to be back. Congratulations on five years ah, as well. And you just built up, you know, so much trust and people enjoy what you're bringing, the message, because you're leading people to Jesus and you're helping people grow deeper in their faith. And we need all the encouragement today. There's a time where we need hope. Mm-hmm. And in my story, I like to say there's two stories for all of us, the outside story and the inside story. And the outside story looks successful because I was doing well in school and I went to Dartmouth and Ivy League College. I played soccer there. I was a goalkeeper, had lots of friends. But people only see a glimpse of who you are. And the outside story, whether it's on social media or if someone has a couple conversations with you, they don't know what's going on inside. Mm -hmm. And my inside story, something was missing. And you're the only one who knows your inside story, you and God. And I had no idea that God was the one I was missing. Mm -hmm. It wasn't on my radar. I didn't even have conversations with Christians about God. So I grew up not going to church, not reading the Bible, didn't know about Jesus. Then I took a class, Introduction to World Religions, not because I was seeking God. I was trying to simply, you know, complete my distributives towards a degree. And in that class, the professor who's not following Jesus assigns the Gospel of John. And when I read the Bible, it was different than any other book. And it actually led to dozens of questions. And there was a man on my dorm floor who's on the track team. His name was Mike. He was patient from small town, Tennessee. And I asked him question after question. I was reading the Bible and I was reading Mike. Mm-hmm. And I was watching his life because there was something different there. And he was patient. When he didn't know, he'd just say, I don't know. Let me get some more information on that. And I kicked the tires. It was with my mind and my heart. My mind, I wanted to know, is the Bible reliable? What's the evidence for the resurrection? Who is Jesus? What's historical evidence? And and I really wanted to make sure it was solid because facts lead to faith. And this is not a blind faith or a foolish faith. It comes from facts. And then with my heart, relationally, I just couldn't figure out why I wasn't satisfied, why I wasn't happy, why I didn't have peace, because all my boxes were checked. And that combination uh, led to the discovery that the gospel is two things. Jesus Christ died for our sins, and he's risen from the grave. And so whoever puts their trust in him has eternal life. And when I made that decision, there was a new song inside of me. There was Mm -hmm. a joy that was overflowing that hasn't left, and it's because of Jesus. So that's, that's how I came to the Lord. So just real quick, you didn't believe in God. Why didn't you believe in God? 
you know, I didn't see it lived out. I didn't find out about Jesus. And it just seemed like something in the periphery, something in the distance. Like what was important to me when my parents got divorced when I was seven, you know, I went to a counselor, not a lot of healing. And that was out of my control. It was brutal. You know, the two pillars of my life no longer together, family no longer intact. And so at that point, I think, you know, I wouldn't be able to verbalize it as a young child, but I thought, okay, what can I still do well? What can I have control over? What's Mm -hmm. enjoyable in life? And it's grades, it's sports, it's friends, you know, it's parties. And that looked like everything on the menu. Yeah. I didn't know anything about God. And to give a flavor too, you know, my mother remarried to a Jewish man. So I was in the temple for a year, uh, Mm -hmm. taking classes, going to summer camp. And I got a little flavor there. I had some interest. The songs remained in my heart. Uh, But in our family, there was one joke almost, sadly, where there was a free Bible from Gideon's given to somebody who then tried to hide it in my parents' apartment. And then they would try to hide it back in the other person's car. And it was kind of like a game. You try to get rid of it, get distance from it. Like nobody really follows Jesus. So there were churches everywhere around me where I grew up. No one ever talked to me. Mm. And you'd be surprised how many people in America just don't know. And according to Barna, over half of America thinks you earn your way to heaven. Wow. And it's through works, performance. So when you're in church for a longer time, when you're listening to great content, like your conversations, you know, it becomes really clear and you build people up. But the average person they're so confused about who Jesus is, how to get to heaven, and they just think it's performing and achieving, mm-hmm. not receiving. That's a huge shift. When I studied Christianity compared to the other options, the other religions, Christianity stood out because of grace, an undeserved gift. God already knows us and loves us and pursues us, and now we respond to him and receive eternal life. And that stands out because everything else is climbing and striving. Yeah. Jesse Bradley, his brand new book is The Power of the Second Thought. Go to powerthought.org. And it's so important for you to realize that this Jesus way is not earning God's favor. It's putting all your trust in what Jesus has done, putting your trust in his performance, in his identity, and not trusting ourselves. So it's, it's trusting that Jesus, he lived out a perfect life that we could never live. He did it flawlessly, beautifully. Read the Gospels and see how beautifully he lived out life. Then he died the death that we deserve. We deserve, we deserve God's just punishment for the wrongs that we've done. He took our place, though, because he loves us so much. And then he rose again to prove that he is the only Savior of the world. And when you put your trust in Jesus, when you trust him, not try to earn God's favor, when you trust Jesus, he forgives you all your sins past, present, and future. It's a gift. And he counts, God the Father counts Jesus' perfect life as your own. And he sees you as perfect in Christ. And he fills you with the Holy Spirit to give you a new power to live out this life. It's an identity you receive. So your new book is called The Power of the Second Thought, and it's launch week. Super excited about that. How to Live with Indestructible Hope. And what is the power of the second thought? The title is The Power of the Second Thought. So what is the power of the second thought? That's right. It's a habit that we can cultivate, and it comes right out of Scripture. It's a daily habit, 
and God wants to renew our minds. You could think of it in these three parts. First of all, recognize the first thoughts you're having. Mm -hmm. We all have thousands of thoughts every day and start thinking about what you're thinking about. Become aware of what is in your mind. Those first thoughts, recognize those. That's the first part. Second part, reject what's not from God. Mm -hmm. Whatever might be selfish, not true, impure, whatever might be mean, resentful, recognize and then reject those thoughts. You know, I was a goalkeeper. I was paid to keep the ball out of the back of the net. <laughs> and I kind of went into goalkeeper mode between my ears uh, in that valuable real estate in your mind. I wasn't going to let that first thought get lodged. In other mm -hmm. words, I'm not going to believe, harbor or entertain. Those first thoughts that are negative are kind of like hope thieves. And they want to come in and steal your peace and steal your joy. And if a thief showed up at your house today, you wouldn't say, come on in, hang out. You want to sit on the couch? Let me make you a meal. Here's my credit card number. You know, you wouldn't treat a thief right. like that. You'd say, not in my house, get out of my house. So you have to really reject these first thoughts. Our minds are wonderful, so much potential, but God also calls us to steward those. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is replace. Replace it with an intentional second thought. Whatever's true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy, think about these things. Take every thought captive, mm. make it obedient to Christ. Either you take your thought captive or your thoughts can take you captive. So these are intentional choices. God encourages us, empowers us. And what do we do? Recognize, reject, and replace. Mm -hmm. And you see that throughout scripture. God renews our mind with the Bible. Yeah. I mean, you are what you think. So what you think really matters. So can you paint a picture for me? Tell me a story of your own in your own life of something that you believed that a lie that needed to be rejected and had to be replaced. When I played soccer overseas in Africa, it ended with a tragic illness. I was fighting for my life for one year, it took 10 years to fully recover. It was side effects of the prescribed medication. And I had a flood of thoughts, not to mention anxiety, panic attacks, depression, uh, but I had all my physical symptoms. And I didn't know what to do with that waves and onslaught of negative thoughts. And mm -hmm. one of them would be, there's no hope for me. My mm -hmm. life's never going to get better. How can I make friends? You know, at this point, I don't have a backup career. Like doctors aren't saying I'm going to improve at all. And everything felt like it was going against me. There might be people listening today who just feel like they're bombarded with thoughts like that. And that's when I started to memorize scripture. I believe memorization and meditation of scripture is one of those underutilized, the sword of God, the word, right. we need it. And it's in the battle of the mind. So I started to memorize scripture and perfect love drives out fear. I would just say that. You choose your favorite verse. You can pick the one that fits for you, but do not be discouraged for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you with my righteous right hand. And I would say those verses out loud. And that's Isaiah 41.10. So write it down, memorize it. And it's the power of God's word. Jesus was tempted three times. He said, it is written. Mm -hmm. That's a new thought, intentional, quoting Deuteronomy. Maybe you want to quote Deuteronomy. You know, you pick your verse, but you have it ready you know the negative thoughts that usually come to your mind. You know the repeated thoughts, the traps. Get ready with that second thought, and then it'll be a quicker. You're going to recognize it, reject it, replace it, and your mind's going to be on Scripture, and you're going to be built up again. Whenever I have a poisonous thought, I just recite in my mind Leviticus, and it just... <laughs> It does the job. I'm sarcasm. telling you. Sarcasm. I'm sarcasm. Sarcasm. This is a dad joke here. Leviticus. 
Yes, yes. Leviticus is not as common a go-to book, but yes, Terry, there's great stuff in Leviticus. <laughs> and you know, there's stages in developing a habit as well. And I like to say with goalkeeping, I didn't know how to catch a ball. Then I was told catch it with the W, and but I couldn't really do it. Then the third stage, I could do it, but I had to really focus on it. And then the fourth stage, it becomes natural. Mm -hmm. And I'm diving, catching balls. I'm not even thinking about a W. Mm -hmm. And with scripture, with the power of the second thought, with practice, persistence, you're going to improve. It's going to become just natural during the day. And God will do amazing things in terms of breaking negative cycles, get rid of the old tapes, you know, with guilt and shame. And there's a refreshment that comes. I have learned so much about memorizing scripture from my co-host, Perry. He's like the master. He's so good at it. And I have implemented it into my life by putting together some, you know, ring bound index cards and I take them with me when I work out. So I'll do a set of physical weights and then I get my brain stronger, get my mind stronger by memorizing some scripture while I take a rest and then I go back to the next set. So it's a whole body workout. It's true. It's true. You know, think about a lot of people at their workplace. There might be gossip, slander. How do you respond? Right? Don't be bitter, but instead replace that thought. Whatever you do, work unto the Lord. I'm going to work with all my heart today, even when no one's looking. Mm -hmm. Like that changes the trajectory of your day. Or if you're a parent and let's say your kids are really giving you a lot of attitude, you might feel like my kids are saying things that are really annoying. But then what's the second thought? My child is a gift from God. And when you see your child with that love, now you've got patience. Now you re-enter and you de-escalate. So one thought mm-hmm. is so powerful and it can really change our direction, our perspective, because ultimately it's God's perspective and peace that comes through these thoughts. So Jesse, just recently... I walked into church. I saw one of my friends. I said, how you doing? He said, I've been a lot better. Went on to tell me that I've got stage three colon cancer. Young guy, maybe 30. Then a few days later, heard about a friend who's been on the show who has stage four colon cancer. Then I heard about a friend of mine from up north where I'm from in in Michigan who has pancreatic cancer. You know, there's somebody listening right now and they've gotten a diagnosis or they're just in a dark place and they feel hopeless. Like there is no hope. There is no way they're getting out. What can you say to them? That's right. Hope is still available to you. Hope is habitual with habits. You can cultivate it. Hope is relational. Abiding with Jesus, you're going to bear much fruit. Your feelings are going to be a roller coaster ride. But instead, start with your thinking and choose, let's say, Psalm 46. And during the day, start to say, God is our refuge, strength, and ever-present help in trouble. Those were literally on my wall in Mm -hmm. my recovery. That verse was on my wall. I couldn't think about and say that verse enough. And when your mind is right... It doesn't mean denial of pain. Jesus wept at the funeral, but he also declared, I am the resurrection and the life. Mm. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. That's good. And it's a both and. It's not an either or. So you're not less spiritual if you grieve. 
Grieving's important. God will meet you there in the valley of the shadow of death. God will meet you there, but he says to walk through it. Don't stay there. That's not your ending place. The trial doesn't define you. It doesn't have authority over you. You're going to walk through the trial with God, but know there's a hope greater than our challenges. And even when we grieve and lose a loved one, we still have this hope that's greater. And so, yes, grieve. Let other people come in. That was a big one for me. I had a lot of walls up, a lot of self-reliance, and I had to learn how to cope in new ways. Pain is a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. My coping growing up was just try harder, be tougher. And God had to break down my pride, and I realized that's not going to work. And alone, although that has some merit, but I'm going to need to let God in. Psalm 63, verse 8, cling to God, right? He's going to uphold you. And then let people in. People want to care for you, pray for you. They want to listen to you. Um, Go to your church, have the elders pray with anointing. James chapter 5. Take some of these steps. Don't just shut down. Don't go into a cave. Don't go into despair. Let God still work. Open up the door of that part of your life to the Holy Spirit. Don't keep the door closed. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit in. And there's no limits to what God can do. Outwardly, we're all wasting away, the Bible Mm -hmm. says. That's not an uplifting thought, but it's a reality, heaven's home. But inwardly, there's a renewal day by day. Even if your body is facing challenges, the inward renewal that God wants to bring is powerful. And again, that's his presence. Romans 15, 13 is one of my favorites. You know, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Talk about what the truth and the false of hope. What's true hope? What's false hope? That's right. Some people think hope is just randomly a feeling that comes and goes. Some people think they're not going to have much hope. That's for other people or they made too many mistakes and they create a low ceiling for hope. I love that verse that you shared. It's been an anthem for me the last couple of years. And this is an overflowing hope. Well, we need to know that we are not the source of hope. Hope doesn't come. You can't buy hope. You can't fake hope. People see through it. You can't manufacture it. You can't order it on Amazon. Like this comes from abiding. It's relational. Mm -hmm. God is the source of hope. He's the God of hope. For some people, it's going to be changing your view of God. Who is God? Say it out loud. He's the God of hope. Mm -hmm. And Trust and peace come, not when I'm trying to have more peace and more joy. If I focus on peace and joy, I might have some, but trust is a relational word. It's an Mm -hmm. abiding. And trust, that means in John 15, abiding, relying, listening, staying close, remaining. That's my role, to stay close to Jesus. He's the source. He's going to bring it. So focus on Jesus. Don't focus on hope primarily or joy primarily, or peace primarily. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's going to give you peace, but this is relational. It's close to him. And then if you're apart from him, you're just not going to have the same hope. You're not Mm -hmm. going to have the same peace. And enter into prayer when you're listening to God, not just rattling off and describing your problems, but focus more on God than your problems. Mm, That's good. Take us to a moment when Jesse Bradley is abiding in Christ. You know, I believe that a relationship with God's 24-7, and I think that's for all God's people, where we live, work, learn, and play. And abiding has looked different in different contexts for me. You know, when it came to soccer, that was an idol in my life. 
and I had to put it back in its place. And I put too much pressure on myself as a goalie. There's not a lot of goals that are scored. So if you make a mistake, you lose the game. And I put more pressure on myself. When I started abiding with Jesus, I realized soccer is just soccer. And it shifted. I didn't have a performance-based identity. And a lot of people have that. What they do, that's how they define their value, their feelings. Everything revolves around what they do. But I want to tell you who you are is not what you do. There's a difference. And I shifted to a grace-based identity. And that was the abiding that was deep. So Mm -hmm. the deep abiding, I'm not going to ride the roller coaster ride, a performance-based, you know, inflated, deflated pride, shame. I'm going to jump off of that false God. And the deep abiding is that I'm secure in God's love. And that security leads to authenticity. There's freedom. And also soccer is just soccer. Hmm. So that shift happens on a lot of levels. And I find that with Jesus every day when I'm preaching at church, I'm just crying out to God, God, I need you. I need your help. Uh, Speak through me. God, if you're not here, nothing's going to happen. And abiding, you don't grow past reliance. Mm -hmm. And abiding is reliance. Reliance shouldn't be uncomfortable as a follower of Jesus. It's not like if you go to seminary, you don't need to rely as much. If you've been parenting for 20 years, you don't need to rely as much. If you've been doing the radio show for five years, you don't need to rely (laughs) as much. None of that's true. Like every single day, there's a fresh abiding. And that's when the peace comes because this world wants to consume us, whether it's news of war, or whether it's financial difficulties, whether it's strife in our family, whether it's just our own tendency to worry and get anxious, this non-anxious presence that God wants to bring into our lives, it comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we love the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. We say yes to God um, in every area of our life. And it's the old, you know, Bob Munger had my heart Christ's home. And I referred to that metaphor earlier, but it's God come in to every part of my life. And abiding to me looks like I'm transparent, I'm accountable to God, I'm inviting him in, and I don't want to grieve the Spirit. I want to ask to be filled with the Spirit. Luke 11, 13, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? God wants to fill all of us. And the fruit of the Spirit is more important than the gifts of the Spirit. And who you are and your character and the fruit, it's more important than how well you do things. You made a statement about reliance. We don't grow beyond reliance. I think something along those lines. Isn't that true about the power of the second thought as well? I mean, this is a practice that we can learn, but it's not like we graduate, right? That's right. Absolutely. It's like we're not going to go deeper than obedience. Faithfulness is our North Star. It's Mm -hmm. our ultimate goal. Come on. And we're not going to have obedience apart from reliance. The only way we're going to be faithful and reliant is we say yes to God. And it's a trust relationship. There's trust, Mm -hmm. beginning point, salvation, eternal life. And then there's trust to keep growing and every day. And we don't know what's going to come. We don't know tomorrow's not guaranteed. So we savor today, enjoy today. Don't worry about tomorrow. And continually renewing your mind. Mm -hmm. And that is something that you really have to be proactive. No one can do it for you. It's often not taught in schools, Mm -hmm. right? How do you have a healthy mindset? How do you, you know, what does God want to do in terms of renewing your mind? And yet what's more important right during the day that our mindset, our perspective, our thoughts, 
And that's something we really need to be actively doing. Mm. You know, the book, uh, Power of the Second Thought, it really walks through how to do that. It's very practical. And hope is inward, outward, and upward. That's the fullness of hope. And when you want to start to cultivate a new habit, it's great to do it alone, but also invite some other people in. So I wrote that book with discussion questions, Bible study questions at the end of each chapter. It can be a a Bible study, a group uh, together endeavor. Or there's also videos for each chapter. So some people learn you know, more through video yeah. and that combination. But I really want to make it practical. The word I've had in my heart the last year is empower. Empowering, encouraging, equipping. It's Ephesians chapter 4. Because the end goal is not just that we make it to the top of the mountain, but how many people can we bring with us? up to the top of the mountain. And when we do it together, when we do things together, collaboration, Jesus prayed his longest prayer for unity, collaboration, the fullness of the body of Christ. We have to step out of the days when we expect a church staff to do everything. That's not going to be a church. It's going to be vibrant. Instead, it's all of God's people, all ages. Uh, Our church is many ethnicities and nations, all generations coming together to come alive in Christ. And part of that is cultivating daily habits and abiding with Jesus. John chapter 15, you will bear much fruit. I guarantee you this, you abide with Jesus, you will bear much fruit. God doesn't lie. Why is it important? Your book is The Power of the Second Thought, How to Live with Indestructible Hope. In relationship to the title of your book and the subject, why is it important for us to share our faith story? Right on. Indestructible hope. When I was lost so much, I lost my health. I lost my emotional equilibrium. I lost my career. That was my childhood dream. I Just the list of things I lost was so long, and I was getting consumed by that. And I realized, and God taught me, that no one can take away what's most important. And no one can take away a relationship with God. No one can stop you from praying, thanking God, worshiping. No one can stop you from your view of today and your approach today, your attitude today, from loving people. So there's just a lot, the most important stuff in life. Every day we can choose that. In indestructible hope, because Jesus is indestructible, Jesus overcame the grave, and he gives us his hope. And we need to share that today, Perry, because some of the statistics that caught my attention is that American Psychological Association, we've never been more stressed as a nation. The Census Bureau reporting half of our country feels hopeless, strong feelings of hopeless. There's never been more uh, suicide considerations from the youngest generation, mm-hmm. 25% thinking about it. Uh, when you consider never more deaths by drug overdose, Center for Disease Control, we are living in a world right now that is searching and starving for hope. And many people don't know where to turn. So they'll go on the computer and they'll Google hope or prayer. They're looking. They don't have a friend, maybe. That's a safe place they can talk to. They're not thinking, go to the Bible. They might not even be thinking about Jesus. And Yes, in our country 30 years ago, maybe people would just come to church, you know, but now we need to go to where people yeah. are even more than ever before. Yep. So take this radio show and you know, like go online, you know, like you guys are doing. I find that people are on their phones. We had a campaign, 480,000 people made first time decisions to follow Jesus. Uh, we have other campaigns where, you know, thousands and people are hungry right now. They're, they're searching right now. Yeah. And if you simply share Jesus, 
it takes courage. So ask God for boldness, ask God for opportunities, and start to bless people where you live, work, learn, and play. You've got friends, relatives, acquaintance, neighbors, coworkers that don't know Jesus. You can ask them a question. You can just simply say, what's your religious background? It'll start a conversation right there. Mm-hmm. Ask questions. What's your story? They're going to ask about your story and be ready, whether it's a sentence or 10 minutes or you take them out for a meal. But as you serve people, bless people, listen to people, you're going to connect and it's going to go on a deeper level. John chapter four, Jesus started talking about water with the woman, physical water, mm-hmm. they're thirsty. And then he went deep and he started talking about faith in the gospel living water to satisfy the soul. We can't stay quiet about Jesus. The world's getting bolder about sin. We need to get bolder about Jesus. And we know the hope. We know the hope. And and Jesus can satisfy their souls, but nothing created can. So knowing that, I want to give everyone an opportunity to follow Jesus. Every man, woman, and child should have the opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. And God's plan has always been to speak through his people. Hmm. Yes, uh, live a life that glorifies God. Let your light shine through your actions. But actions alone aren't enough. How can they believe unless they hear? We need to be bold and share the love of Jesus. Yeah, I'm hearing, yes, live it out. Need to live it out. But we got to, I got to open my mouth and speak the truth, speak the hope. Not condemnation, not pointing out people's faults, but just building people up, encouraging them. Oh, and I love how you started, though, Jesse. You said before you even start about telling your own story, ask them theirs. People want to be known. We all want to be seen, known, and loved. And if you see them and you are willing to know them and you're willing to love them, I just feel like that's such an open door for you also to share your story like you shared. But, you know, for for them to experience the love of Christ and our curiosity, our interest. You know, the Bible says, be quick to listen, slow to speak. That includes outreach. Listen to people, ask Mm -hmm. questions, enter in emotionally, celebrate with them, suffer with them. And as you do that, take the relationship risks, take the initiative. Too many Christians are in a little bubble and they think they're extra spiritual because they don't know anyone who doesn't know Jesus. Mm. Well, that's not spiritual maturity. That's not Jesus. That's a false view. So we need to take the relationship risks. Love your neighbor. (laughs) Jesus said that here's the two most important things. Love God. That's with all your heart, strength, soul, and mind. And number two is love your neighbor. That's relationships. So love isn't passive. It's taking initiative, sacrificial, kindness, compassion. But go, that word go, that's what Jesus says. Go love your neighbor and then trust God with the results. Thanks for letting Perry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Harry and Shauna, mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.